Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Rosenbox. Today's topic is injuries, wellness, and fitness. Our three favorite things. They are very important to us, so it's good that we get to talk about this and share tips that we've learned with other people. And I think they're very connected. Definitely. I think that every time we go down, we come back up even stronger mm-hmm. and better the, the second time. Do you remember your first injury, Aron, that you ever had in the company? I twisted my ankle pretty bad. I think I tore like two and a half ligaments on the outside of my ankle. Oh, yeah. That was like the first big booted situation when like you had to wear a boot for mm-hmm. a long time. How long were you out? I was out for a season and then the layoff following that season. And then there was a DC tour that I was in part of. So that gave me some more time to recover. So I will say around like a solid two, two, two and a half months. That to me, like looking back, doesn't seem like too long of a period of time for an injury. Yeah, it was a, a quick turnaround, especially for how severe the injury was. Yeah, I think um, my first injury was when I had either a fractured or broken metatarsal in my second or third metatarsal, my right foot. And I'm pretty sure that I got the injury towards the end of nutcracker season when I was in one of my first years in the core. And I believe that I danced on that injury for the whole winter season. Oof. But I was so young and so frightened of upsetting anyone. I think really deep down, I was afraid of being seen as weak and incapable. So Mm -hmm. I just kept dancing through the winter season, Mm -hmm. which wasn't my best move. But I definitely learned a lot by dealing with that first injury. I think injuries is something that every dancer, no matter what kind of dance you do, Something that they have in common is like getting injured, the emotions that we go through. I think that's a very bonding topic. Yeah, it hits the the really extreme low points. But then again, you like go to the the pit and then you realize how many beautiful things you had and how many of those things you want to have when you return to the stage or just to being in a company class. Like that's a big first step when you have an injury is rejoining that company class and being with your fellow peers. And I know initially when you join company class, it's kind of, it's scary and you feel like you're still not at the level that everyone else is at, but Mm -hmm. by rejoining the group, it does feel very substantial and rewarding. We always hear when we first get into the company, the advice from older dancers being like, if you're hurting, you should say something, you should deal with it, not just try to ignore it. You won't seem like you're weak. It's better that you speak. It's a more mature move. Yet, we all have been on the other side we where all we're do. young and you just, you know, you don't want to admit it to yourself that you're hurting mainly. I think that's the main reason. And then you just like try to dance on it for a little too long. As I was reflecting about injuries before doing this episode, I was just thinking about even when I was a student and we had certain workshops where physical therapists would come in and speak to us about TheraBand exercises and just good things that you can do to strengthen all the different parts of your body. And I definitely was listening, but I didn't really 
take it with its full weight and realize that these injuries could happen to me. So looking back, I just would like to like send out a, again, like a big piece of advice to young students who might be listening to this, like definitely take the advice and really listen and absorb the material that physical therapists and trainers offer you because they are, they are really looking out for your best interest. I remember just hearing it a lot when I first got into the company, like, yeah, if you heard you say something, I was like, I'm not even injured yet. Like, and why are you telling me this? And not the first thing I tell everyone is like, if you're hurting, say something. Like now that I'm on the other end, I really understand the advice. And I'm really glad that I was told that a lot when I first got in because I'm, now I'm on the other end and I'm making sure that everyone new or someone who's been around for longer should always be reminded that you should take care of yourself. If you feel something, say something. Say something. <laughs> exactly. Um, and another part for us, because we're in a company, another part of the injury season is often watching rehearsals. Usually when you get injured and you're not even close to being back on the stage, you don't have to do this. But as you're getting closer, we are asked to watch rehearsals if we're free. And that's a challenge emotionally that is also interesting to deal with because you're trying to learn the material while at the same time knowing that you can't do it fully yet. I was just thinking how it also helps you practice the skill of learning by just watching something because you're perhaps not able to try the steps at the time, but then you really have to have the capability of watching something and understand it and kind of just take it in and analyze it in your mind, using your brain and understanding of visualizing something. Yeah, definitely. During the seasons that I've been injured, I felt like I really got to see what the ballet masters and mistresses were often seeing when we would dance. Because sometimes, you know, when you're in the studio and they tell you things over and over again that you're doing incorrectly or not in a beautiful way. And to be able to step back and watch in the audience as they see our dancing and to just kind of see the bigger picture and why certain little details matter greatly, it really does give you that perspective. And also you get to see that the beauty of it, like just the total beauty of it and which reminds you why we dance in the first place. Yeah, um, I feel like I've gained so much wisdom and knowledge on how to use my body through my injuries and understand what mechanic uh, problems I have naturally and how to deal with those in order to prevent. And I think that's like half the battle. Do you have a go-to routine or practice that you do every day or every other day that really helps you? Yes, I have figured that for my body, have to focus on my stabilizers when it comes to my core and center. And I think that's a very common thing for all dancers and how they use their back as well. And everything is connected. So like once you focus on strengthening your core, that will become more stable. And then you won't overpower other parts of your body to try to stabilize those. So I think that was one of my main awakenings to how I really use my core 
and the strength of that. And a lot of leg strengthening as well to make sure I'm using the right muscles to turn out, right muscles to like plie. I mean, basically you could work on and on on what the right muscles to use are and how to find them and learn how to activate them. But I try to have like a, a complete set of like exercises to try to trigger those weaknesses of mine. And then also I try to be conscious about what I'm dancing and what that, that I'm dancing at the moment requires. So try to do exercises to strengthen those. So if I know I'm going to do a lot of um, lifting and partnering and over the head, I try to make sure that I'm strengthening my upper back, my shoulders, do a good arm workout. If I know I'm going to be doing a lot of like plie and deep and grounding movements, I try to like get all those squats going. Get them going. Get them going and <laughs> making sure that like the strength and the stability is there for the choreography. And th- that I, I, I'm side by side with you, I think, during the day and doing all these exercises. Many hours you? spent in the workout room. I do a lot of the same things like strengthening the core. I do some abs in the morning, some therabands for my feet and for my toes. I think the practice that has helped me the most, um, especially in recent years, has been doing gyrotonics because you got shout out. Yeah, <laughs> um, Claire is such a gyro queen. <laughs> if people come into the workout room, it's almost a surprise not to see me on the gyrotonics tower because yeah. I occupy that tower a lot of hours of the day. Um, maybe not hours, I'm exaggerating, but I'm a prime candidate to be seen on that little yeah. tower. If she's not on it, she's on the waiting list for it. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Oh, and I should probably describe a little bit about gyrotonics. It's a practice that emphasizes circles and rotation. And you can use an apparatus or you don't have to have an apparatus. But when you're on the apparatus, you're usually making circles with your arms, with like whatever the apparatus shape is. When it, or you're on the floor doing things, again, moving your limbs in circles and opening your hips so that everything feels long and open, which helps me a lot. And coordinated. Coordinated, long, and open. I think those are the benefits of gyrotonics. But yeah, that has helped me the most, though, because a big problem for me has been coordinating everything in a very strong way. Like, I think when I was younger, I could imitate movements well and copy people, but I wouldn't necessarily be doing them with the correct strength and using the right muscles to do, to do even a basic thing like a plie relevé in first position. I didn't, I wasn't coordinated in the exact way to be strong. So gyrotonics has helped me to really have like the whole body strength and to not imitate people and hope for the best. Okay, well, today we have as guests, we're going to have Marika Molnar, and we're going to have Dirk Hartog. And uh, first, we're going to have Marika, who is really a pioneer in the field of dance PT, because she, with George Balanchine and also orthopedic surgeon Dr. William Hamilton, created the first PT program for an American ballet company, which is New York City Ballet. So that's a huge deal, and so we'll be really grateful to have her on the podcast to talk about what she's done, and 
she's also currently the director of physical therapy services for New York City Ballet and also our school, the School of American Ballet. She's also the founder of Westside Dance Physical Therapy, which is the uh, practice that a lot of the dancers go to. We're really excited to have her because she's such a truly a, a pioneer in this in this field. You created the PT program at New York City Ballet uh, with George Balanchine. And could you tell us what year that was? And sure. how did you feel to be asked by George Balanchine to help create this new program? It was a, such an honor. It was in 1980. And um, the company, I had already started working with some of the dancers because I had just graduated from physical therapy school and Dr. Hamilton was the orthopedist at the time, and he really mentored me into my present role because he kind of pulled me in and said, you know, I'm doing some surgeries on these dancers. You have to work with them. And so I did. And so um, I guess having had that relationship, plus having worked with George Balanchine himself as well, made him feel comfortable enough to ask me to help his dancers took a long time for the whole kind of culture to turn around and accept the fact that it's okay for dancers to get help. <laughs> and especially with the, you know, I mean, you know how, how hard you work when you're in season and how with the variety of things you do. That's one of the biggest differences, I would say. Back then in 1980, in the New York City Ballet, it was mainly George Balanchine, Jerome Robbins choreography. So the classes that prepared you in the morning was exactly for what you were doing in the afternoon and evening. If you look at what you do today, you know, you're still taking pretty much the same style class, but the variety of what you're doing choreographically throughout the day from, you know, one end to the other. It's, it's a, such a wide variety of all kinds of choreographic inputs. And, and it's all wonderful and beautiful, but it makes for a much more taxing body complaints, I think. It's a lot of physical activity. Yeah, the rep wasn't as large as it is now and as diverse. Exactly. when it comes to movement. Exactly. So would you say that injuries have evolved through the years? If you want to generalize it, you can say ankle sprains are very common injuries, and they always have been. But what you see a variety, you know, and maybe I should say a diversity of, of body injuries is that now we're seeing more, you know, detailed injuries to specific muscle groups or tendons or ligaments that we didn't have before. Marika, have you seen a change in approaches to dealing with injuries? Like have there been revelations in like medical journals, for instance, that have uh, helped you or inspired you or made you think differently about how you deal with certain injuries? Yes, especially in the most recent studies about the health of the tendon and how it heals and how it recovers and how it gets strengthened is all become very much the forefront of research. Granted, the sports medicine research is usually the forward moving part and we kind of follow behind, but because we're doing more physical 
things with our bodies. So it's so dance has evolved from what it used to be, but so has all the sports. I mean, if you watch gymnastics, mm -hmm. what they're doing today was unheard of 10 years ago. And we thought back then it was like over the top. Yeah. So I think it's that, you know, I think we're, we're just continuing to push the envelope. So I think as this moves forward, we're learning more and more about the body. You know, now we can see inside the body in a very different way. So now we have, obviously, the MRI, which everybody kind of uses now um, immediately as their first line of information. But mm -hmm. we also have ultrasound, uh, musculoskeletal ultrasound assessments, where you can actually watch how a tendon glides when you're going through movement and we can watch how a muscle contracts. So we, we can actually see more about how the body can move and what the problems are, much more so than we ever could. So of course, that's given us much more information and it helps to know these things so that you know how to retrain a body part and, and let it get back into the environment of the whole being. So that's, that's been a real, I'd say the last 10 years of real progress in that front. Yeah, it's, it's helped me a lot, I know, because I had a few tendon issues and, and I still practice many of those strengthening things for the tendons today. And I think that they really help so much. Well, they do. And actually, now that one of the things you know, I, I've been working on with a couple of people is to try and figure out how to get all of you dancers back into the studio in a healthy way so that you mm -hmm. don't for those tendons and bones and things. Yeah, extremely so important. That kind of, yeah, that kind of loading is, is very essential. Uh, if, and it has to be done a certain way so that you don't overuse any one particular part. Yeah. And an, another development that New York City Ballet specifically has done in the past years is to revamp the wellness program. Like now we have a workout space, which we didn't have before. We have like Pilates reformer machines. We have a Cadillac machine. We have gyrotonics. And uh, with that too, we have classes. We have gyrotonic sessions that we can sign up for. We have Pilates sessions, conditioning. fitness. Yeah, conditioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and if we could have more space, we could have more things. <laughs> I actually think, I mean, I think it was 2015 yeah. when we moved that all the wardrobe, the stored wardrobe, and they moved that out of the fifth floor. And that's what eventually uh, we had some wonderful donors who um, actually believed that the dancers do need more space and, they, that's how we got the fitness room. Oh, Ron, how much? Like, how many hours do you think you spend in the workout room or doing conditioning outside of regular rehearsals and dance classes? I will say, from forty-five minutes to an hour and a half. It depends on if I'm able to sign up for a training session that day. Perhaps a little longer if I'm not able to because of my schedule. I definitely spend past half an hour just doing my exercises and using the equipment daily. Yeah. And what about you, Claire? My number is a lot higher, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is to each his own. Like there's no right or wrong way to do it. But I, I like 
I think for me, I have to like coordinate everything. So before any rehearsal that I have, I'll usually spend about like maybe 30 minutes in that workout room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does depend on if the performance season is heavier and, or if my rehearsals are heavier and if, or if I'm not doing as much, but I think on average, I probably spend maybe two to three hours of extracurriculars in the workout room or like conditioning of some sort keeps you going keeps you in shape and prepared yeah and just like kind of like limber too Mm -hmm. because if I stay limber I'll have a less percentage of doing something harmful during Mm -hmm. a rehearsal do you feel that you get stiff if you don't do it or that you get weak if you don't do it or or both I think both I think the first feeling is stiffness and then the second feeling is weakness. What about you, Aaron? I'm the opposite. If I don't exercise, I get loose. Things are become a little too overly mobile for me oh, and, and weak. Yeah, interesting. Well, most ballet dancers tend to be more loose jointed than tight jointed. So if you're not doing your stabilization type exercises your proprioception gets lost a little bit because Mm -hmm. there's too much give in your joints. And that's why stabilization for everybody really is a good thing. But in particular, when you're long limbed, like you have very long legs and long arms and the trunk needs to be working well in order to keep your arms or your legs from pulling too much in one direction. Mm-hmm. You need that nice uh, stability of the abdominals and the back and the coordination between the arms and the legs. Otherwise, you throw yourself off. And having worked with so many dancers, how would you describe the difference between treating and working with a dancer versus perhaps a regular patient? Oh, well, for me, it's much easier to work with a dancer because we, I, we can talk the same lingo. You know, the talking gets less and the actual work, you know, there's more work done. I've certainly noticed that dancers in this, your generation, are much more interested in really understanding their body, not just doing what the exercises are, but really understanding the, the depth of, of the movement. Yeah. And I, I was yeah. actually talking to Aron earlier about how like gyrotonics helped me so much to realize that I wasn't doing a lot of ballet correctly. And yeah, I, in the recent years, I've had this desire to understand my own body and how I can use it in a very functional way, not just a beautiful way. Right, right. And you know what else? It's really a pleasure for me to help somebody find something out about themselves and then actually see them use it in class or rehearsal or performance. It's it's like one of my most rewarding things. (laughs) Yeah. and, And hearing the word rewarding, what does it feel like for you to see dancers that have gone through injuries being back on the stage? Oh, that's really the best feeling in the world. It's like takes my breath away. Marika, maybe before we close, would you give some tips for dancers and or anyone 
for before a workout and after a workout, like what you should maybe do to prep, what you should maybe do to eat, and then what you should do after. Sure. Well, my, my favorite thing really before class would be to really warm up the large muscles of your body so that let's say you're wearing sneakers and you're kind of just prancing around the studio, circling your arms and moving your whole body so that you get a really good flow of the blood to your muscles and that your body warms up a little bit, literally warms up, it, it heats up and then you're ready for class. And then you take your class because I mean, you know, when you start class, you start slow, but often the second thing you do in class is a grand plié in fifth or développé to the front and hold and hold and bring it, you know, so sometimes the beginning of class isn't really a beginning. It's like do one thing and then move into something hard. So, so I think, I think you need to prepare your body for that, but I don't, one thing I don't really like to tell people to do is to sit in a straddle and stretch and talk to each other before class because that really studies have shown and this is another you know one of the things we discussed before where they do have have done good research showing that if you stretch too much you 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 reduce the ability of your ligaments to really be there for you when you need them and even things like you know, reducing the height of a jump because you've overstretched. And I don't particularly like, you know, when, when people sit in a stretch and then they have a conversation, they don't realize that they've been in that stretch position for 15, 20 minutes. So they're really overstretching their connective tissues. And then that takes time for it to kind of spring back and be there. Um, and then at the, end of, at the end of the day, I would say that one of the best things to do at the very end of your day is to cool down by stretching. And that's when you would do your slow, gentle stretching. And then nutritionally, you'd want to, if you've had a long day, you'd want to make sure you get that protein in within about 30 minutes. You know, it's hard to say, you know, everybody requires different nutrition nutritional guidance. So I would say I'm, I'm not a big fan of breakfast um, because I like, to, I like to do intermittent fasting myself. But um, I think if you're the kind of person that wakes up hungry, you should eat. <laughs> but mm -hmm. if you're not hungry, wait, wait an extra hour or two, you know. But I think throughout the day is when you should be, have, have developed some type of a habit where you're refueling your system. That was Good. awesome. Thanks, Marika, Thank for so joining much. us. My pleasure, as always. As our next guest, we have Dirk Hartog, a member of our PT, physical therapy team. And he's been combining the physical therapist job with uh, managing the job of being a trainer, particularly when it comes to specific injuries that he's treating us for. We'll get hands-on work as well as exercises and very specific muscle training in the workout room and that I feel like I'm personally very grateful for because it's a through a whole 360 treatment when it comes to injuries and that's pretty much the best you can ask for Amen. wouldn't you say Claire 
Amen. Hundred percent agree. So here is Dirk. So here he is. Hi everyone. My name is Dirk Hartog. I'm a physical therapist uh, with New York City Ballet, and I work with uh, Westside Dance Physical Therapy, which is the company that provides some of the services for the company um, to include physical therapy. Um, and when did you start uh, working in these places? So I started working at Westside Dance PT and with the company back in 2009, right after I graduated physical therapy school from Quinnipiac University. And I also, I didn't mention that I also do the, um, one of the trainers who do the strength and conditioning sessions at New York City Ballet and at the School of American Ballet. And we started the strength and conditioning program at New York City Ballet, I think back in 2016, um, Joaquin Deleuze and one of the other dancers, Gio, started the training sessions and were working as trainers with the dancers. So um, yeah, it was a really great program that we were able to get up and running and I think the dancers are benefiting from it. Yeah, and we're still doing them during this quarantine. And you've yeah. been so gracious to offer us these like 30, 40 minute workouts on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I know that we're feeling much stronger in certain areas. Yeah, I think those have been really fun for me. I think it's a little bit of a sense of normalcy just during this time to see familiar faces. And I really love working with the company. So it's good to see everyone and um, have fun and maintain strength. And Dirk, why do you think that these cross training sessions are so important for dancers? Well, I think in the general scope of cross training, it's just a term that we use to describe any supplemental training beyond the usual activity of say, an athlete or dancer. And so one way I think it is beneficial is because it gives them an opportunity to stay in shape during the season, before the season, and really prepare themselves for the demands that they'll have to do in class, during rehearsals, or in performances. And then a secondary benefit, I think it allows them to explore some different types of movement that they may not normally be exposed to from doing, say, ballet or some other specific technique, because at least with ballet, you know, you're always working in turnout, where in some of the cross-training sessions, we're really challenging people to do work in parallel or kind of away from some of those other extreme positions. So with that, I think it really helps them create more, you know, of a robust physical musculoskeletal system because they now have other options to move in and really kind of learn their movement behaviors. Which is so important today because as we were saying with Marika, as ballet dancers, we're asked to do so many more things now in terms of uh, new choreography. So I think that cross training really benefits uh, the dancers immensely. Yeah, I think just watching some of the more contemporary pieces and seeing, you know, what movements choreographers are learning, they're kind of the foundation of some of the movements and things we would do in cross-training. So it does blend together really well. I think you're, out of the people in the theater, you're with us, like, among, along the way very closely. Yeah. yeah, I think it definitely, when I first started the training sessions, I was really 
intrigued about working with you guys in a different way because in the PT room, it's, you know, uh, shorter sessions and the focus is really different than what we do, you know, during training. The sessions in the PT room are really checking in, seeing how things are feeling or trying to troubleshoot through the pains that you're having that day or managing returning back to dance. Whereas in the training, you know, it's really more focused on exercising and, and movement. So it's definitely a different dynamic, but it's been, it's been great. I've really enjoyed kind of both worlds. I think what's, what we're seeing too is maybe less severe injuries or maybe a quicker turnaround. So if something, you know, gets tweaked, the body responds a little quicker or, you know, it's not such an event as maybe before offering the training sessions. Mm -hmm. Are there any specific muscles that you think that either ballet dancers, dancers, or just people in general need to work on more than others because we just don't use them as much? Yeah, so I think what I've noticed is that there's maybe more of movement patterns versus a specific muscle. When you're, you know, training one way for so long and you, and that's the point of training that way is you really develop habits to, for that technique. So I think what I've noticed is just more global kind of movement patterns maybe are a little bit more difficult or either to do or to coordinate. And so that's kind of what I've seen. So bringing someone, you know, out of their turnout back to parallel, you know, really challenges their system. So that's kind of more what I see than a specific muscle imbalance or muscle weakness. And that's kind of what we look at in the PT room is, well, what is this individual dealing with? Yeah. And, um, both, uh, you and Matt, our other trainer, you're both very aware and, uh, very interested in asking us how our day is going and like, how does your body feel before getting into a workout? So you can kind of get a gist of the things that you should or should not ask us to do before. So we're very appreciative of that. And it helps us to stay strong without overdoing exercise. So Dirk, what advice do you give us when it comes to stamina? So for stamina, I think it depends on what your goal is. That's kind of the first thing I always try to understand from the dancer's perspective is you know, what type of choreography do they have to do? Is it a really quick one to two minute high intensity piece and then they're done? Or is it a really long you know, are they on stage a long time, moving around a long time? So it really depends on what the intention and goal is and what they want to try to improve on because there are different energy systems that are responsible for giving us energy to either do a quick bout of intense exercise or movement from uh, lower intense movements. So that's the first thing. And then mimic the demands that you'll, you have to do in dance, I think, one is either getting on an elliptical or getting on a stationary bike if that's comfortable and try mimicking what your perceived exertion will feel like for that 
ballet or that piece and practice that on the bike or elliptical. So it's kind of like an interval training. If it's like a short sprint, then maybe you would try to mimic that by going for one minute on and then taking one minute off going back to kind of a more easy resting pace versus if it's, you know, more of a prolonged effect that you're trying to get or trying to build, you might stay on the cardio piece of cardio equipment for 15, 20 minutes, maybe doing less intense intervals, but kind of a steady balance of effort. So that's my advice. I know it's multifaceted, but. I yet somehow like I'm on the electrical and I'm like up and down the stairs for so long. And then I do perhaps three minutes of dancing and I like cannot breathe for me. <laughs> I'm like, how is this not like the same? So then I would say you have to probably try to mimic the three minutes of dancing more than the prolonged. Yeah, but sometimes there's something very specific about like learning about coordinating your breathing while dancing. Because I feel like while you do something stationary like uh, running in place or stairs, the motor control involves as much as your thinking part of the brain. So you kind of go on autopilot and then you can control your breathing. While in dancing, you're like thinking about how you're dancing, what are you trying to express? Needless to say, if you have a partner and then you're worrying about like another person that like you, I don't even, I don't even know what my breathing is doing. And I feel like that's, that's one of my hardest yeah. um, things to achieve while dancing is understanding my breathing. Yeah, that's very important. I think it's, it would be interesting to, you know, if you were trying to get your heart rate up and do that on either on the cardio, get your heart rate up and then go into the studio and do maybe a piece to that choreography, maybe marking some of the more difficult things or, you know, if you don't want to be doing a lot of, if you have to modify your jumping, then maybe modify your jumping, but then, you know, use those brain cells that have, you have to coordinate more intricate movements while your heart rate is up and while you're breathing, because that might help to teach you what strategies you need to use for breathing and performing. Wow. This was actually a very good, like, like path for yeah. me to like really think about. So I'm sure that whenever we get back to the studio, it's like something for me to explore. Yeah. There's so much for me left to explore and, and, and discover. It's like, it's 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 good, but it's overwhelming at times. Same life, our own. Same life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get there one day. Yeah. Um, speaking of the heart, see what I'm gonna do here. <laughs> oh, <that's terrible. laughs> speaking of the heart, um, how important is the musical soundtrack to our workout space? Yes, I think it's really important. I mean, I tend to leave it up to the dancers to pick the music for the room because it's their time that they're there and I want them to feel as comfortable as possible. I want them to be able to feel like they can relax a little bit and get into the groove, get into focus. But um, I like having the dancers choose the music because I always get to hear new songs or new music that I've never heard of. Um, I was really into the Abba in Spanish. Mm. That was that was really fun. Aron introduced Abba in Spanish to me, which then I played often in the workout space yeah. when Dirk was there. It's really the gift that Kim Sum gave him. <laughs> no, it's, it was really fun. Dirk, you are Marika Molnar's nephew. Yeah, I got introduced to 
physical therapy and New York City Ballet through Marika Molnar. She's my aunt. I remember as a kid, she would bring us into the city to see the Nutcracker every Christmas season. We would get to go backstage. And actually, one of the really awesome things that she gave to me and my two sisters, one of them actually was a physical therapist with Westside Dance PT, the other Marika, Marika now Baxter. But when we were younger, my aunt would take turns taking one of us on tour with her when she would go on tour with the ballet. So um, I know I got, I got to go to Saratoga a couple times. I got to go to London with her and my cousin, um, her daughter. And so, yeah, I've been, a, I feel like I've been around New York City Ballet for a really long time or it's had some place in my life since I was a kid. So it's, it's cool. That's so special. Yeah, what a gift. Yeah. And speaking of, what is, do you have a favorite ballet? That's always a tough question. My favorite ballets are when, I, when there's a lot of people on stage. I really love to see the formations that are created. So some of those bigger ballets that really come to mind that I really like are glass pieces because I love the music. I love the lighting. I love the costumes and everything just kind of fits for me with that ballet. And then one of the kind of more, I guess it was more recent, ballets that I really liked was Spectral Evidence. Oh, yeah. A dark one. I yeah. I just, it really blew me away that you could see these dancers doing classical pieces and then the next night is this ultra-modern contemporary um, piece. And I just thought it was really great to see the versatility of the dancers of New York City Ballet and that I get to work with. So, yeah. That was a really good choice. That was like a little like the ballet nerd moment. Like, you know, oh. that was like specific. <laughs> and Spectral Evidence is a ballet by Angeline Prejlacage. It was just pretty cool. I don't know. It was very cool. <laughs> I agree. Thanks so much, Dirk, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Hey, Claire, I think I'm ready for the question of the day. Oh, fantastic. Here we go. This was submitted from one of our listeners on social media. And the question is, how long does it take to relax after a performance? And how do you do it? So as much as I like to pay attention to my pre-show prep, I also like to make sure I pay attention of the way I cool down and my post-show routine. So given that sometimes we go on stage pretty late, if you happen to have the last ballet of the program, you've been exercising all day and you're kind of like exhausted at that point. I like to move pretty slowly, move into back into my dressing room, take my time taking a shower, taking my makeup off that it takes like forever because I put like tons of makeup on. And I like taking care of my body rolling out or stretching um, sooner after the performance rather than later. Uh, but also I'm the kind of person that cannot eat a lot before the show. Like my stomach does not take it well. So at that point, I'm very hungry, but my stomach is not quite ready to eat right after the show. So that's why also I take my time returning back to a, a regular, normal tempo body-wise. Because by the time I'm like done out of the theater, it's been like a good 30 minutes. 
and I'm like ready to eat. And sometimes it's very late, but um, that's like, I feel that's the best way uh, for my body. How about you, Claire? Similar. I also like to go slowly because, yeah, I feel like I put all the energy out there and it feels nice to calm down. And um, I also, though, have, I have a big adrenaline rush after shows, especially after the shows that are very physically taxing, um, the ones where you're jumping a lot or it's maybe a longer piece and you get the ones where you get more exhausted. I have a higher adrenaline rush than the ones where I um, maybe exert a little less energy. So I usually, I have about like a 15, like 10 to 15 minute walk home. So prior to that though, I am at the theater. I take off my makeup, take a shower. I usually try to take a shower at the theater. Cause I like to feel clean before I go Same. back into my home. Yeah. I feel it's like a really nice way to refresh and also again, go slowly and, yeah, get back to that regular life. So on my walk home, I'll usually talk to someone on the phone, like catch up with my family, or I'll listen to a podcast. Or recently, I've just been listening to nothing. And just kind of take myself, <laughs> which, which is hard to deal with sometimes after shows, but it's like, a, it's oh, been yeah. a it's been a good way of training me to just be really present in the moment and to not seek out distractions from other voices to get me away from myself. So I've kind of been on a campaign, a personal campaign to just not listen to as many things and to just like, just be and not be so like anxious or afraid that I'm missing out on media content or that I can't handle myself. Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally. Sometimes um, like I get a lot of voices after a show, just like my own, just like going over what happened, what I did, what could have done better. Usually is it what could have done better. Always. Um, yeah. So it's good to like, once I try to leave the theater to like, leave those things behind, not take so many with me and like move on with my night and we'll start over the next day. But yeah. yeah. And I think for the both of us and probably many dancers too, the, the dinner at the end of the day is just like full relaxed mode, you know, have something beautiful that really satisfies you. I like to do like a, a nice dinner spread with and then that nice dessert and then usually finishing with tea or some kind of nice calming drink so I really like do the big the big show there's another big show that happens in my apartment (laughs) in terms of dinner after the real performance Um, but it feels really good that's just something that I like to do it really does pick up the mood exactly sometimes all we have left yep that's all (laughs) 